I'll use a pseudonym. Yeah, let's use a pseudonym. Okay. Um, what is a pseudonym? <laughs> <laughs> like a, a different name. Like you can be Jane. <laughs> okay. <I'll> be <laughs> I was like, a pseudonym is either an abbreviation or a fake Am name. I using the word wrong? <laughs> pseudonym. Like, I think it's a pseudonym. Yeah, okay. Yeah, a okay, pseudonym. I'm going to go with Jane. But like J-A-I-N, not J-A-N-E. J, so how, sorry, how do you want to say it? <laughs> I'm just kidding. It wouldn't, it wouldn't make the name sound any different. <laughs> so like the, I, I do have to write it out. Oh, okay. In that case, J-A-I-N. Okay. Yeah. Like rain, but Jane. Yes, but Jane. Okay. Yes. Okay, I like that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so funny. Welcome to the Art and Science of Eating. I'm Jessica Begg, Registered Dietitian and Clinical Counselor. I worked for 15 years in programs for the treatment of eating disorders. I now help those that struggle with emotional eating and their relationship with their body. This podcast is where I answer questions to help people along this bumpy journey to creating peace with both food and their body. Oh my gosh, you guys, it was a hard call to decide if I should use what's a pseudonym as the title of this week's podcast or the is trauma related to disordered eating? Because I don't know, it stumped us both and it was pretty darn funny. I couldn't actually stop laughing at all when I was going back to listen to the recording of this episode. So anyway, if anyone has a good definition of what a pseudonym is, I'd love to hear it. I've intentionally not looked it up to see what is the exact definition, because I'm sure we can come up with something amazing. So if you've got it, send it over to me. All right, so let's jump on in. This week's episode, we're hearing from Jane. She spells it J-A-I-N. Maybe I'll use a pseudonym? Yeah, let's use a pseudonym. Okay. Um, what is a pseudonym? <laughs> <laughs> like a, a different name. Like you can be Jane. <laughs> okay. <I'll> be <laughs> I was like, a pseudonym is either an abbreviation or a fake Am name. Am I using the word wrong? <laughs> pseudonym. <laughs> I think it's a pseudonym. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A okay. Pseudonym. I'm going to go with Jane. But like J-A-I-N, not J-A-N-E. J, so how, sorry, how do you want to say it? <laughs> I'm just kidding. It wouldn't, it wouldn't make the name sound any different. <laughs> like the, I, I do have to write it out. <laughs> oh, okay. In that case, J-A-I-N. Okay. Yeah. Like rain, but Jane. Yes, but Jane. Okay. Yes. Okay. I like that. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> okay. All right. So my question was of your clients that you support, um, how much or kind of like what percentage of them would you say has some kind of background that involves some kind of trauma in it, uh, whether that's family trauma, uh, trauma with abuse, that kind of thing. And, and how would you say it impacts their eating habits? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I think first, when people think of eating disorders, they might think that somebody has suffered some sort of a trauma and that that's a common um, thought. And that's not, that's not the truth actually, is that many people haven't had um, trauma as what we would think of, of like, they've had something like a defined event that happened to them. And then that spurred their eating disorder. That's, I don't know what the percentage of that is, but that's not the majority for sure. But of course there's different types of trauma, like adverse childhood experience type trauma, where there's a cumulative effect of things that will impact somebody's relationship with themselves in terms of how did they, how, what is their self-concept and how that, that um, impacts their, their life as an adult. In that way, I would say a large proportion of people that struggle with food and it doesn't have to be disordered, like an, a clinical eating disorder, but in terms of disordered eating, there's often, I, again, I'd have to pull up stats, but I think that there's, and I'm actually going to put that in show notes if I can find some actual stats, but I would say a large proportion of my clients that struggle with food have some sort of an adverse childhood experience in that they didn't necessarily gain um, a good relationship with themselves. And then that translates to food. And so, yeah, I would say a large proportion of people have some sort of trauma. The way that the the way that I work, though, in terms of how that translates into present day with my clients is that I, I find my definition of trauma could also include restriction. Mm. So dieting is it to me is part of a, a traumatic event. We to to um when we torture people, we, we withhold yeah. food, right? Yeah. yeah. So I think that that is across the board, all of my clients have restricted their eating to some degree. So check, you know, trauma. Yeah. Yeah. And so the ongoing response with food is, has this very um, kind of like PTSD type response and that there's a lot of kindling around uh, and kindling, meaning that the first time that we in- interact with a diet or restrictive eating, it's kind of, it, it's traumatic in that it, it impacts us really dramatically, but um, it's kind of like a car crash. The first time it, you, you know, like you don't really know what to expect. You did it. Wow. And then you kind of move away from it, but then you'll hear like screeching tires and you'll have like a really kind of elevated response yeah. to me. That's when somebody, the first time somebody does a diet, that's their first car crash. And then, then later on, then they'll maybe somebody will say, Hey, you know, like, what, what if we just kind of like cut out blah, blah, blah. And that will be the screeching tires that will have somebody have like a very elevated response. And they, they, that's where kind of disordered or, you know, relationship with food kind of stuff start brewing with each screeching tire. Mm -hmm. And so I approach healing from that in very similar ways in which how we approach trauma in that perspective, in that basically what we have to do is tell your body that we're not going to restrict anymore, that we're not going to traumatize you again in that way. So by calming, soothing the system, knowing that food is, is available. All the food types that you like are all available. It basically tells your body like, huh, okay, it's okay. So that then 
when a loud noise or a screeching tire comes around is that we don't have to get activated. And then sometimes the response is binging because the, the, the screeching tires is, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to have to restrict my eating again. So I'm going to hoard all of the food. If we say, okay, we're not going to restrict anymore. You're going to get all the foods that you like and that you're going to eat when you're hungry, then, then, then everything kind of calms down. And like I said, you can kind of encounter some stuff, you know, a lot of people, we really protect ourselves from that, like trying to avoid people that are doing diets, telling people that are receptive to it. Like I'm not talking about diet talk or body talk. Um, but just living in the world that we do, there's, there's so much screeching tires. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Yeah. I bet that adds like another layer of complexity to it when we're being mindful of how we can change our thinking patterns around restrictive eating, restrictive foods. Um, but it can be that much more difficult when we're surrounded by other people who kind of have a similar mindset so we're kind of yeah. fighting two battles against ourselves and then other people in yeah external to us totally it's a very unsafe world in that sense right is that is that we um we have to learn somehow is within ourselves to feel strong and protect ourselves to say that we're okay but then how can we be in these somewhat scary places in terms of body discrimination and diet talk? So it's, it's hard. It's really, it is a big deal. And that working very hard with clients to try to feel okay and knowing that you're safe, especially when people are questioning other people of like, should, should you be eating that? Or, um, hey, yeah, I'm doing this thing. Like, do you want to, do you want to cut out sugar too? Yeah, it's kind of like a bonding thing as well. Like you're mm-hmm. some people, I mean, misery loves company. So when people are like, oh, I'm cutting out this thing. Yeah. It can be, I think sometimes for myself, some people get swayed into it because you're like, oh, well, they're doing it, right? Yeah. So it's, um, but I would imagine that in changing that mindset, you're really getting at someone's core beliefs too and values and that shit is hard to change. <laughs> it totally is. You mean with other people or within with my clients? As someone that struggles with it, I find that it really does get at your own core beliefs. And when I speak about my own mentality about it, I feel like it comes down to changing my core beliefs about what is attractive, what is good food, what is bad food, what does all these things mean? I feel like it really comes down to your core values. And once you learn to change those, mm-hmm. um, then I feel like the mindset around food finally starts to shift. It starts shifting. Hey, yeah. There's the, it's the core values that have to shift first. Yeah. Yeah. Just my experience is what I found. Yeah. Um, and when we're impacted by other people who have similar core values <laughs> that makes it even harder for people as well <laughs> yeah and it's so prevalent in terms of diet culture and fat phobia and healthism ableism I think that that's also the thing is that people think that we have ultimate control over a lot of stuff you know that if you're healthy it's because you did something right so that if you get sick it's something that some failure of yours and so people are trying to protect themselves by trying to be healthy and and eating in certain ways and they're you know that we can only do so much yeah. and um yeah and it's healthy mind versus 
healthy body too. Like even if we're thinking we're doing all these healthy things for our body, I think the health of the mind is just as important as well. Like if we're sure doing everything on paper, that's quote unquote, physically healthy, working out, exercising, eating all the right things, but then mentally we're driving ourselves crazy. Like mm-hmm. doing that, counting calories, everything that yeah. I feel like big picture, we should look at both of those things in terms of health too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that goes back to your question about the trauma effect of doing these really self-harm, these very harmful perspective, perspectives of restricting our intake, ramping up activity, um, doing these things under the guise of I'm being healthy, but it's really super traumatizing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for answering my question. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on. That was a good yeah. one. Thanks, Jane. This episode is brought to you by my new online group program, Connected Eating, where I help people that struggle with emotional eating from feeling out of control with food, feeling not in alignment with how they want to care for their body, and spending all of their time worrying about it, that they've tried every diet, and finally know that diets have claimed too much of their time, but don't know where to go next. This online group program has been built from my many years of helping people that struggle with food. But now it's not just me to help through this process, but also with the support of all sorts of other people that are working towards the same goals. I have heard too many times that people think that they're the only ones that feel this way, that they haven't spoken with anyone about the way that they eat or the way that they feel in their body. So I'm on a mission to create a community. You no longer need to feel alone. No longer feel ashamed thinking that you're the only one or that it's just you. It's not you. It's how diet culture has impacted all of us so similarly. So come and join us. Come and learn from both me and other people moving towards happy eating and being comfortable in their body. Follow the link in the show notes and I'll see you in there. This podcast is for education and information purposes only. Please consult your own healthcare team to discuss what is right for you and your care.